this is Jesse Weiler for Otteramus Bulletin. In this episode, we speak with Andrew Kaler, who recently wrote an article titled Intimations of God Toward a Catholic Integration of Right Culture and the Contemporary Person. Andrew is the academic dean and associate professor of theology at Catholic Pacific College. He specializes in theological anthropology, particularly in the work of Joseph Ratzinger and Alexander Schmemann. So without further ado, another Otteramus interview. Hi, Andrew. How are you doing today? Doing great. Thank you. It's uh, it's really wonderful to, to speak to you, uh, especially about a, a topic that we don't always really get to talk about. Um, you know, the the tension, I guess, so to speak, between, you know, liturgy and modernity and, you know, where we're headed as a culture and how uh, does the liturgy stay in that place and then our culture advances and then we return back to liturgy or does it advance with us? And these are questions people love to ask and they love to figure out um, and try to solve some of those tensions. So first question, uh, I always just love to ask our authors, wh where did this idea or concept come from? Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the origin of this kind of, uh, the origin of this article really? Sure. Well, it stems back to, uh, I, I wrote an article for Catholic World Report, which was actually a, a book review on um, on Father Vincent Toomey's book, The Dynamics of the Liturgy. And then uh, a friend of both Chris from Outer Amos and a friend of mine said, wow, you should really write for Outer Amos. This, this is very fitting. And so Chris had contacted me and actually he had mentioned this idea about the, the tension between culture and are we still able to, to worship as, as moderns? And, uh, and a very fitting question. I, I actually, I, I love the way that he questioned it because this is something that been percolating in my mind, but maybe not articulated so clearly with such a tight-knit question. And, uh, and I had recently written a festrift uh, in honor of a professor that I had had, and he had introduced me to a, a Canadian political philosopher named George Grant, and George Grant wrote a lot about technology, philosophy of technology. And so I had much of my, my late 20s, I had thought of, of technology and very taken by this thinker, George Grant. And, and one of his claims is that um, technology has changed our very ontology, our very being. And, uh, and he says his great concern is that uh, we will no longer be able to hear intimations of the good. He, he, he was a Platonist. And um, so so th this really stuck with me. And I thought about this often and tended to have quite a, a negative take on, on our situation because of this. And um, it just so happened that during this time when I was singing through this article, writing this festrip, I was also reading uh, Romano Guardini, and, um, and, and it was very, it was sort of a cleansing of the palate for me to uh, read through Guardini and have to rethink this in line with this wonderful Catholic thinker uh, in contrast with, with George Grant, who, you know, great, wonderful thinker, but he was a philosopher first, philosopher first and foremost, uh, Anglican by profession loosely, but he thought as a philosopher and sort of think through this question about where we're at in modernity in a theological manner in, in regards to the liturgy was very helpful for my own thinking too. 
So, so what are some of the things that you were able to glean from Romano Guardini? Because, I mean, he was growing up, at you, and you mentioned this here, that uh, he claimed the typical man of the 19th century was not capable of, you know, the liturgical act. Now, is he speaking specifically of, you know, mankind in that age? Or is it a bigger question, too? Is man, is man in general able to yeah. even have a, a perfect liturgical act? Because... All, we're enjoining ourselves to Christ's perfect liturgical act, uh, but but where are we to to do that ourselves? I, I'm just yeah. very curious about that. Yeah, good good point. I mean, certainly we never have the perfect liturgical act. You know, our our Thanksgiving is always taken up by the perfect Thanksgiving, the Eucharist, Christ Himself. Um, but yeah, I, I think what Gordini, what Gordini did for me. Let, let me let me just talk a little bit about how that affected me first is that when he said the man of the what was it the 19th century right that he 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 writes this in yes says he's, un, he's unable to to uh do a proper to, to really participate in the liturgy and that was eye-opening because we often turn to the past and we think this is a golden age you know anytime the past and and those with of us who who sort of have that conservative bent in in the sense of returning to the past and seeing the good of the past, it's often easy to have a type of um, uh, a reverse chronological snobbery or we're, we're snobbish towards our own time. And then hearing him say this was very eye-opening. And, and I think he's pointing out to the probably the perennial problem that we're always faced with is the challenge to worship um, for various ways. And it depends on the age. Every age is going to have its challenge. And so for for the age he's speaking of, it was individualism, that there was this this heightened personal piety. So one would go to mass and, and have these uh, emotional, pious experiences for themselves. And um, and so he said, well, you can't understand the liturgy then because the liturgy is there to form the body. Then to, to think through that and go, OK, so they had their problems. What is our problem? Um, and, and, and that, I think that's a helpful way to think of it instead of just thinking we're, we're, we're doomed <laughs> because we're moderns to say, well, wait, they struggled too. And we could probably find this all the way back through history. These challenges. Yeah. You, so this, I think in my mind, it, it comes back just a really great transition to this first, you know, um, you know, expansion of that idea is this this understanding of this fundamental gift that we have been given. And so not misconstruing this as, as an act of will that will then determine an outcome um, because that it's not dependent upon ourselves. That's not to say that we shouldn't actively participate and do things, you know, whatever, because there's, again, there's tension there, but to, can you tell me more about the, this concept of understanding this as a gift rather than this, um, than, than our very will ourselves, uh, you know, af affecting what's happening in the liturgy. Yeah. Yeah, no, that that's good. I think one of the temptations probably of every age is this move towards a type of Pelagianism um, where, where, as you're saying, we sort of will these things to happen. And, and of course, there's the other temptation, which we fall into a type of determinism, uh, which is also problematic. And I think you know, we take up an understanding, uh, I like to think of John Paul II and his metaphysic of gift, 
very important, I think, to make sense of, of the liturgy, but not just to make sense of the liturgy, to make sense of ourselves. And um, and so if if we are gift, which I'd say we are by our very being, there's a type of responsibility put on us in in how we live. Uh, on one hand, there is the responsibility to gift to continue the gift because uh, we fulfill ourselves by being true to ourselves if we are gifts. Um, but of course, we also have to receive the gift too. And uh, the the two are important. And so, you know, there's we have to respond to the gift by participating in the gift, but we also have to receive it. And so it's always, the liturgy is always going to be a type of participation that that it's offered first to me. I can enter into this, but 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 by entering into it, it's less, you know, it, more important is the first is the gift given. Our, our, our part is always a little bit smaller in the receiving, and then and then it's a walking with. It's never it's never of a walking on our own, and, and and in multiple ways, of course. So not not just in the sense of it's the work of the Holy Spirit, but it's also we're doing this with the church. Yeah, uh, Ratzinger liked to speak about the the human person in terms of one in relation, and I, thou, we, and and that we is 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 an ecclesial we ultimately and so we're always doing this with with the other it's, we never say my father who art in heaven <laughs> right it's it's our father who art in heaven and so we we get to participate in this together we receive together we we go up together we offer our gratitude together and and it's an interesting thing to think through because because it's very counter to our age in many ways um, it's difficult to do. It's maybe easier to do in the liturgy if we consciously are aware of this. It's another thing to bring this home into our own uh, liturgical practices outside of the Mass, too, is how how are my prayers, how am I worshiping in a manner that's not just about me? And uh, that, that, you know, that that's an ongoing challenge that I think we need to to work through. And 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 in many ways, you know, Guardini has a book about preparing for the Mass and and in a way, maybe that's something to do with it is we're preparing to be less about me, 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 pro me, but to enter into the body of Christ where I really do have a me, where I really sparkle and come alive, right? So, yeah. You know, one of the things I, I hear Chris uh, Carson's talk a lot about how human sacramental signs and symbols are to to who we are, at, you know, as, as created uh, in the image and likeness of God. So, you know, wallet, water quenches thirds, oil is a salve. Um, technology uh, eliminates the need for that connection or eliminates that connection for us because we no longer, you know, as medical advances and healing advances and those things, they're not so human and, and inherent to us as much anymore because technology takes uh, fills in. The other thing that I'm thinking about, and, and I know you didn't get into this in your article, but uh, I'm, I'm sure you have some insight to impart on this, is that one of the reasons technology uh, and advances in technology happen is to is for practical purposes and for efficiencies. And we see those creep into the liturgy. One of the things that comes to my mind, um, and, and uh, a friend of mine, Father Dennis Gill, will talk about efficiencies and practicalities in the liturgy kind of are contrary to, to what you're supposed to be doing. But you take the the creed, for example, everybody's reciting the creed. And then sometimes you'll see the deacon before the creed 
finishes head to the ambo because he wants to get ready for the next you know what I mean and so uh is he participating in the creed or is he getting ready to go do this other thing because he in his mind there should be no gap between this prayer and that prayer and it doesn't yeah. leave room for a sacred uh you know silence and so technology is almost you know that tension is butting heads because we as 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 humans want to be more efficient and practical yeah no i think it's very good and and I think our modern sense of technology is born out of this pragmatism and 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 those of us who live in North America are are you know George Grant going back to George Grant would always say America is the first country to be argued into existence through through print through a technology and um and 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 we know this in the in the west we tend towards pragmatism which then of course makes the liturgy really really difficult for us and um and, I, and as you mentioned, the the silence, like if we're so busy all the time, we're so we're picking up our phones, we're on our computers, we're turning on the radio. Um, it's just buzz, 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 buzz. And um, and, and you know, it makes me think of Cardinal Seurat in his book, The Power of Silence. And, and he says that um, garrulousness is the sin of the age. And uh, and I think, wow, <laughs> that that's convicting. Um but, but learning how to be silent and yeah, and 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 that, I mean, going back to Guardini, you know, he, he was the illustration that liturgy is, is likened to play because it's just a good in and of itself. And and that's a really hard thing for us as, as moderns to understand something just is good in and of itself. And we face this challenge in the university. That's where I, I'm, I'm involved in the university. I teach and, and, you know, I love the, I love um, Joseph Pieper's book uh, on leisure the basis of, of culture. And I mean, this, this is, this is really countercultural to say the heart of our, of real culture is not doing, but, but it's letting be, it's contemplating, it's sitting before the great mysteries of life. And, um, and I think, I think though, again, in, in my article, I'm, I'm trying to be very positive. I'm trying to, to come at it from a little more of a, a hopeful perspective. And, and that is, when one goes to a beautiful mass, um, often they're hard to find, unfortunately. But when you go to a beautiful mass, and even 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 take away all the smells and bells, but you you when you have the priest and he's there and he's saying this, and you know he sees this. This is it. Like this is the climax of what we do here, the source and the summit. When he when he celebrates mass in that way, we get drawn in. We appreciate it. Or when we have the silence in mass, maybe at first it's awkward, but then you begin to relish it. Um, you know, it's it's it, if you ever once in a while, you know, because of situation, we'll go to a mass on a, on a Saturday night or a Sunday night, um, and there's something about the darkness outside and it's cozy in the church, and and it's and then there's these moments of silence and it kind of comes together the visual the dark the warmth and the silence and you go this is really important there's something really really wonderful here and 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 you'll see this with people sometimes that just want to stay after mass to pray because they just like the silence they've been ushered into silence and I I had the privilege of of um, attending a, a mass at um, Cardinal Schönborn's um, personal chapel in in Vienna. And what struck me was after after we received the Eucharist, then he went and he sat down, in which, you know, typically the mass, this is what happens, the priest sits down, 
and um, but it's not very long. And I, it, I don't know. I want to say it was between five and ten minutes that we just sat there in silence, and it was such a full silence, such a replete silence, and such a reminder to go back to the gift and receiving. I, I'm here to receive. Um, you, you know, stop doing, stop thinking, let God be God. That that is so amazing. I, I really absolutely love that. And and when given the opportunity in a similar situation, it's noticeable. It's um it's like a deafening silence. It, it's it's uh, almost tangible because it's so out of the ordinary. Uh, you know, my last question, and I know I I really applaud you for the the hopeful you know attitude here, but I think these are real questions and, and things that people want to know is. How, so given, you know, this, you know, tradition verse uh, technology, how, how do you guard against um, like mere novelty um, of liturgy? Because that I think is something that kind of creeps in. I'll see, you know, with some of my friends who are kind of falling away. Well, they still go to midnight mass for Christmas because it's uh, because, it, you know, it's different. It's, it's like the, it just gives them the emotional feels. Of the, there's a novelty to it. How, how do we guard against that? and still reveal the true value there. You know, that's interesting. Because on, on, on one hand, maybe, you know, spin the positive here again, is that that novelty maybe is inspiring in some ways. Um, it's it's touching something. Um, but the danger, of course, is, is in our day and age, everything is about novelty. We're always towards the new. and 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 yet... I mean, what comes to my mind is is actually a response by by C.S. Lewis when he would say, you know, we're not dancing when we're learning a new dance. You know, we're concentrating where we put our feet and how to move and and whatnot. This is a great illustration for me because I can't dance. But, uh, you know, so you're really, really focused on, on what you're doing. So you're not dancing until you know the dance so well that you don't think about it. And, uh, and I, and I think there's, you know, there's that same sort of thing in liturgy and we, we know it. it's like when you, when you can finally move into the rhythms of it, when we don't have to constantly be thinking about it. And then, and, and again, it's a little bit of the tension of, you know, on one hand, our mind is engaged and that's important in the mass, but, but we can over, uh, emphasize the, the sort of rational word element and forget about the ritual element in which we get brought into something bigger than ourselves. And and when we're no longer gobsmacked by the novelty, maybe things sink in in a, in a deeper sort of way because because we're not, you know, the mind's not sort of a light or something like this, right? Yeah, I, I love that. You know, me personally, I, I just, I so desire to do the right, do things the right way. And then you can get lost in that uh, that thinking as well. So I, I really love that. And then of course, you know, your dancing uh, example just reminds me of this perichoresis, you know, that we hear so much, especially in in sacramental theology and liturgical theology. So I, I absolutely love that. Well, you know, Andrew, this has been such a delightful conversation and such such great insight beyond the article itself. Uh, if you want to go read the article, you can go to adoramus.org. And uh, thank you so much for your time. This is really delightful. Thank you. Thank you, Jesse. It's great. Great to chat with you. Okay. God bless.